Hello, everybody. Yeah. Welcome yep. to it. Let me start that over. Wallet out the way. All right. Nope, I'm leaving that cut in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It don't matter. You do the audio. All right. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of DFE. I am Black Cinephile. I'm AKA Brad. That is AKA Brad. Brad, how's it going, man? How you been doing? Uh, I've been doing good. Uh, preparing for Halloween, which we have two good uh, movies to kind of start setting the Halloween horror spirit. Remind me, what we got coming up? So today we are talking about Shaun of the Dead and Zombieland. Uh, two, uh, basically these are movies that are 100% made for me, I'm pretty sure. As I love comedic horrors i absolutely love these kinds of movies and yeah this is one episode i've been waiting for us to kind of pick up for a bit i never tapped you for a a a scary movie guy uh so like i can't get into like slasher horror movies but i can get into i mean like those like the wayans brothers like their scary movie uh franchise oh okay uh, those ones are iffy. Like some of them, I I get a good laugh out of some of those movies, but you don't overall, like the first two, the first classic two. Oh, the first one is great. The second one, it, it kind of starts to fall off for me. Wow! And I haven't seen any past the, the third. Oh yeah, the third is the third is just that's when the Wayans brothers uh uh pieced out, and that's when it really got bad. Yeah, that wasn't that's what that one's not too bad, but that was the beginning of the end for the scary movies. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them past the third one, so I don't even know if there are any past the third one. Mm. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, you know, there's many. Uh, oh, but, I got to believe. Well, I know they also started venturing off and they did like the superhero movie and yeah, the action movie. movie. And yep, yeah, date movie was so stupid. But that's kind of how that stuff is. You know, some of that stuff can kind of die out the more Hollywood puts their uh, effort into it and and overdoes it. Yeah, they saw it work the first time and they're like, I'm sure it'll work the 57th time as well. Mm. Yeah. All right, man. So, uh, okay. So Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead. uh, Which one you want to go with first? So for this one, I'm thinking chronological. Which would put Shaun of the Dead first? Okay, a little risky, a little risky, but I I, I kind of like it. So, uh, do you want me to take this one, or do you want to take this one? Oh, this is your boy. I'll I'll let you take this one over. Okay, so from the greatest director of all time, uh, completely undefeated, Edgar Wright, <laughs> uh, comes his <laughs> debut. <laughs> feature or film feature uh sean of the dead following the story of sean played by simon pegg and his buddy ed played by nick frost as they try and survive a zombie apocalypse that has come into their small town so throughout the movie they are trying to get to the bar known as the winchester and on their way they pick up sean's mom sean's ex-girlfriend along with sean's ex-girlfriend's roommates in order to get to safety and find a way to get to the winchester have a pint and wait for this to all blow over Mm -hmm. that is the bare bones description of this movie and my God, I, I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie. I've, I could pretty much go, you know, play by play of this movie at this point. 
I mean, you know, I and I, I imagine you can. You know, this is your boy. Uh, oh no, no, this is his debut film. Uh, it's another film called Fistful of Fingers. I thought it was his oh, debut. That's right. So Fistful of Fingers was kind of a western kind of parody movie. Mm-hmm. It didn't get a, a theatrical release though, if I recall. Oh, okay. It was okay. one that he made. It was what he made prior to working on the show Spaced, which was where he first met like Simon Pegg and started right. working on kind of the Cornetto trilogy of movies that would end up being Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, let me give you a story about when I first saw this film, because this definitely isn't my first time seeing it. Um, I believe it was me and my cousins who are like brothers to me. We were at my grandma's house and we just we just rented a comedy from Blockbuster. She didn't watch it with us, of course. But we we, we said, uh, let's get this. This looks kind of funny. And when we watched it, it took us a while to adjust to the British humor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think my interaction with British humor around that point was like the original Office series. But that's more cringe British humor. Yeah, this it's a more- different kind of British humor. Right. This is more slacker British humor. So we, we kind of had to adjust a little bit. But as the film went on, we started busting out laughing. We started having a good time. You know, Nick Frost was pr- pretty much the, the main reason before for that on first watch. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just hilarious. You know, we we just really liked him. And, you know, watching the film on, uh you know, multiple rewatches, dude, Edgar Wright, you know, I don't I, I haven't seen his, his first film that you mentioned, but uh, from this film, alone like um you know he 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 has a real knack for knowing how he wants every shot to be yeah like, he's yeah. he's a stickler for that which is one of the reasons why he uh has some i, I guess the contention between him and marvel occurred with mm-hmm. the whole ant-man movie is because he writes the movie and he knows exactly how every scene is going to be filmed before they even walk on set and he makes sure that every scene is filmed exactly how he has it written. So mm-hmm. he doesn't do any kind of ad-libbing. He doesn't do any kind of like on-the-fly recording of scenes or anything like that. Everything that you see on in the movie was pre-planned, pre-written you know, and everything like that. And Yeah. Yeah, I think that takes a lot. It's when when you have an attitude like that and you stick the landing when you do it, that takes a lot of talent. And you know, mm-hmm. he he showed great talent from this um second to uh debut film right here, man. Uh looking back on it today, I still think it's a funny movie. Like it it, mm-hmm. it does make me laugh. I don't I don't put it up there with the with with the world's end and hot fuzz though, but that's just me. I think with me, this film takes a while for me to get used to its humor. Whereas when I watch World's End and Hot Fuzz, I'm immediately in. You know what I'm saying? This film, like with this main character of Sean, it kind of took me a while to kind of kind of rock with Sean and his like midlife crisis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's definitely more on like the relatable side of comedy where it's going. Mm-hmm. It, this is a normal guy. You know, he works a job at a, a electronic store that he doesn't like, you know, he feels trapped there. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a stepdad that he doesn't like. He, you know, has two roommates, one of which is a complete slacker who doesn't get anything done ever and basically is just mooching off their friendship. And then another roommate that absolutely hates that roommate. Mm-hmm. 
So it's it you. I think a lot of the great comedy here comes from the characters and not the situation. Uh, this yeah. is one of those zombie movies that honestly. It, you could have any kind of event happening that puts them in this situation and it would play out the exact same because the characters are what makes this movie. You know, you have the situation between Ed, the entire movie as the comedic relief because he just doesn't do anything. Uh, when they leave for work in the morning, they come back and he's like, do you like how I cleaned up? It, nothing's been done. Yeah. I, I had a couple beers and I put those away. <laughs> See, he sold me on the scene where um, he's in the bar <laughs> and he's talking to Sean after him and his girl just broke up because he's tired of his, you know, um, basically tired of his slackerness and, you know, not committing to the relationship and everything mm-hmm. or not committing to put time and effort into a relationship by setting up a, it was a dinner reservation, right? Yeah, the dinner reservation for the fish restaurant. Yeah, I like how he's talking with... Um, Sean, he says, she doesn't like coming to the Winchester. These are very uh, palpable, complex characters here. <laughs> he goes, what's complex about them? Oh, you see that guy behind the bar there? He used to be in the mob. Uh, old girl over there, she uh, she set the world record for, uh, uh, what was it? What did he oh, say? God. He said uh, interracial uh, porn loop or something. It, like. She was in the very first like interracial porn movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing. He's coming up with different backstories for all these characters. And I don't know if he's lying or not, but the scene is so funny how Edward Wright does the does the extreme kind of close-ups on the people with mm-hmm. the dramatic music as he's talking. And the whole time, Sean is just laughing like we're laughing. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing that I think Edgar Wright's humor definitely exceeds at is his camera angles and camera work. Uh, like the first scene that we're first introduced to Sean and the entire crew where it looks like it's just Sean at dinner with his girlfriend due to the angles and everything. And then she starts talking about Ed, his roommate, and she goes, no offense, Ed. And then it pans to show that he's been sitting there the entire time. Then it goes to Sean talking. And it looks like he's just talking to his girlfriend. And then he starts talking about her roommates and he goes, no offense to you. And then it pans and sh- it's just it, it's the comedic element of the unexpected with the camera angles that works so well, especially with those fast zoom kind of camera work. I absolutely love it. It's a style that he has perfected even in this movie already. Dude, I gotta say, man, it's, this is a testament to this dude's acting. I love how much Dylan Moran made me hate David. Like (laughs) I just, I hated David this whole movie and you know, and it's like uh, he he's he's such the he he's, he he plays the um, girlfriend prick friend so well that that secretly likes the girlfriend mm-hmm. like he he does it so well in this movie. Yeah, I love how they constantly put him up with Ed. Like he thinks himself as like a better person in every way, but every scene that he's in, he's literally doing the same thing as Ed. He's just standing around, not mm-hmm. doing anything. Uh, pretty much just sitting slack jawed and complaining about the situation they're in. He has right. absolutely nothing to add to the group whatsoever, but he acts like he's the smartest person in the group. And it's like everybody knows that person that just accomplishes nothing, but they act like they're the, you know, the hottest shit in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, like the most, um, the person that has most of their life together in the film 
is a uh, Pete. Yes. And you know, like it, it, it sucks that you know uh, Pete got bit, and Pete's the main one trying to tell uh, Sean, like, Sean, get your life together. You know, Ed is an idiot. You guys are up in the morning listening to uh, what was it, techno? Techno. <laughs> <laughs> he's coming in like, I got, I got work in the morning. Like he's the only one that's actually like a a got it together type of dude. Right. And uh, you, I you can tell that he pays most of the bills in that rent situation they're in. <laughs> right. Right. And I, you could tell the, the different dynamics between him and Sean towards Ed when he says, um, "Hey, Ed, uh, how about today?" If anyone calls, you make notes on them calling. Yes or no? You take the messages for everybody, not just yourself. Right, right. And then when he leaves, Sean says to him, "Like, uh, look, man, can you take the messages." He said, "Are you going? Are you really going to do that?" He goes, "I'm not going to do whatever he says. I'm not going to do anything he says." He says, "Can you do it for me?" You know, and that it showed the character dynamic between them well. But um, I mean, if you're not. If you're not there yet, I wanted to comment on the uh, on the climax. Uh, yeah, we can jump to it. Yeah, man, that scene, man, that scene with him and his mom. I I remember when I first saw this movie, it really hit me. I was like, oh, man, that's a because like there are a few deaths that are dark in the film, but that was kind of like that kind of hit the hardest. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. him having to like uh, shoot his moms uh, because throughout in the beginning of the movie, they don't have a good relationship. Yeah, they have a very strange relationship, and a lot of it seems to come from the fact that uh, he doesn't have a good relationship with his stepfather. Right. Right. Yeah, that that scene hit pretty hard. And then it was the uh, I believe it was the cut to black. And then they showed the epilogue of how everything went uh, since the uh, zombie apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, what what did you feel about that whole climax outside of that scene? So the way that the movie kind of like ends before that epilogue and we get to Sean has to deal with losing you know his mother uh previously he lost his stepfather after finally coming to terms you know with him and everything like that which is another great moment in the car and then it's after that he loses Ed his best friend in the cellar of the Winchester so it comes down to he's literally lost everything. He's there with his ex-girlfriend and they're about to jump into like the horde of zombies because the Winchester is no longer safe. And that's when the, uh, you know, British military shows up and starts, you know, taking out the horde that's around them and saves them and everything. And it's like one of those feel good moments, but it's like, he's lost so much at that point that, it's insane. Then we have the epilogue showing how people reacted to the zombie apocalypse. And it's like, it's so on the nose of just insanity where people made like a game show of using zombies, you know, for entertainment. Uh, you have the documentary of, I had to kill my parents. You know, the newscasters kind of, you know, being interviewed by other newscasters is, I can't believe that I had to say those kinds of things on TV. It's an insane, mo- you know, and everybody else has just kind of moved on. It's it's no longer a thing. Right. And I love the, 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 the touching but messed up moment at the end where Sean is playing a game with his boy, the zombified oh, yeah. Ed. And Ed's just pushing the button, not knowing what he's doing. Right, yeah. Controller. I said yeah. no biting. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Um, I was gonna say something else about this movie. You know, this movie, one thing I always remember from it is that it had common sense in that when a zombie apocalypse happens, why wouldn't people just put on like kind of like what Bill Murray did in Zombieland, put on some makeup and just walk around going, and you know, walk slow and act like them. Like that that is kind of genius to do. I mean, almost every kind of like zombie movie or TV show has used that in some regard. You know, was it after this movie? Because I never seen it before this movie. Uh, I doubt it because I mean, even this movie does it very lightly with them just kind of acting like they're zombies with the walk when they're trying to get to the Winchester. So right. it's not like the full effect of it. I want to say that it might be like the walking dead that really popularized the idea of doing that. Like the comics. Oh, well that don't count, man. I'm talking about cinema. I'm trying to think of like what other like zombie movies before this would have like majorly did that because you didn't have that in. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's that's a good question. Yeah, um, I don't know. I haven't seen it in any uh, uh, before this movie, so I may be wrong, but I feel like that was genius of the movie to introduce that and have it be a great comedic moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Having them like do their zombie impressions and everything. Uh, right. Especially the one for Sean's mom when she's going through the list and she's just there slack jaw looking off into space. Oh, that's perfect. You're doing great. Oh, sorry, dearie. I kind of zoomed out there. What were you saying? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I um, in hindsight, this is still a pretty impressive debut. Um, Overall, I give it a three point five. Uh, th- This one's a five for me. It's. I absolutely love the comedic take of it, the camera work of it, the comedy of it. I've, I, I don't like. I said I have no idea how many times I've seen this film, but it's enough that I could give an entire play-by-play of this movie basically from memory. You can give a whole course on it, huh? Pretty much. I, I probably could give like an hour lecture on just the camera work and the use of like comedy alone to fill the scenes and give character development because I, I love this. I've seen like interviews every like uh audio doc or not audio documentary um audio uh commentary and everything that's basically exists for this oh wow well i mean i'm not surprised it is your boy oh yeah uh all right uh well i'm i'm all set on that one you you got anything else you wanted to uh talk about i mean i could fawn over this movie for another couple hours if you have the time (laughs) All right, folks, we're going to move on. All right. I shouldn't even ask anything. We're going to move on. Um, Zombieland. All right. I'll take this one over, if you don't mind. I'll let you have this one. You'll let me have this one. Okay. So, Zombieland. So, this is by... uh, Oh, I didn't know this was the debut. This was the debut, the theatrical debut of director Ruben Flesher, uh, known for this movie, 30 Minutes or Less, another funny movie, uh, Venom 1. And this basically uh, deals with the, another zombie apocalypse, and it deals with a um, a main character, uh, a geek, kind of a geeky guy, geeky video game nerd. Uh, we, we call him in the film Columbus because uh, when he meets um, another survivor of the apocalypse, 
uh, Tallahassee, played by Woody Harrelson, he introduces the idea of uh, let's not call each other by our real names. No, no emotional uh, contact that way. So anyway, it, he is the narrator in this film. He, um, through a great opening, great montage, talks about the rules of survival in zombie land, meaning when a zombie apocalypse uh, hits society. And as he goes down to different types of rules, you get these great, hilarious, gory, uh, gory clips of people failing these rules. And I got to say, before I move on, the way Ruben Fletcher like handles these gory scenes, like the fact that he was able to do it in a comedic way without it coming off disturbing, like that, that takes talent. Yeah, this movie is pretty gory, too, when you look yeah. through it. Yeah, it is. It, it, I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, it's it almost to like a disturbing degree in some scenes, but it because he always has it kind of coming in as a uh, comedic effect, you don't take it as gory as, say, something from Saw or from, you know, something else. Yeah, I mean, there are some disturbing moments, but I feel like they pale in comparison to the humor effect is what mm-hmm. I mean. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. Uh, which is great. So it, it establishes tone very well. So anyway, uh, Columbus and Tallahassee. Tallahassee is like this, you know, this this tough cowboy that really loves Twinkies and is searching across the the landscape for Twinkies because he can't seem to find any. Um, you know, they they band together and they come across uh, two sisters, uh, Wichita and Little Rock. Uh, you know, they're uh, they're scammers. Uh, and they they initially uh, take their ride and jack them, but you know through funny circumstances they ended up they end up being reunited and trying to figure out how they're going to survive this apocalypse. Wichita is trying to take her little sister Little Rock uh, to like this uh, adventure land, like this amusement park place, uh, because Little Rock wants to see it so bad. Yeah. Adventureland's a different movie that the entire cast is also in. It's just Jesse, right? Jesse's just in that movie. Uh, so is Emma Stone, I believe. No, nah, Kristen Stewart's in Adventureland. I don't think Emma oh, Stone's Car- in that movie. Oh, okay. I might be mixing it up. But you beat me to the punch. I was going to make a joke, like pun intended. You you, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, basically that's their objective. And, you know, Columbus has nothing left. Tallahassee has nothing left. So, you know, throughout the film they do kind of become a family that's more so towards the end but mm-hmm. it's really about you know these people who couldn't be any more alike uh couldn't be any more different that's what i mean to say uh coming together as a family and um you know surviving together in these times and i gotta say man with the great humor you know the heart packs a wallop too like uh jesse eisenberg in some films i take him or leave him of course, I loved him in Social Network, but there's some films he's in. He was all right, Lux Luther, but like, like I can, I can take it. I take his awkwardness sometimes with a grain of salt in some films. Mm-hmm. In this film, he's perfect. Oh yeah, like, yeah. For some reason, him in like a zombie apocalypse situation, his like kind of lovable awkwardness it works out perfectly when it comes to him meeting new people, when it comes to him explaining the rules that he has, and even his, like, cowardice to jump into situations. Like, one of his rules being, don't be a hero. Meaning, don't Mm -hmm. be the one that's going to try and show off and do something. Let somebody else show off, because that's how you survive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that, too. And I feel like this whole cast 
like this these main four cast members with i think abigail breslin is kind of when it comes to chemistry you see it with jesse woody and emma abigail is a little weak but even as a weak link she's still pretty good with the cast right i just think she's she's I don't think her comedic timing is as great as everyone else's, but she she meshes well. She 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 holds her own for her little small role as the little sister. Um, I think the chemistry here was off the chart, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I I Woody Harrelson had me cracking up. Him and his his interactions with Abigail Breslin had me cracking up. You know, they go into Bill Murray's house, and she's like, uh, "I don't know who that is." Hey, I never hit a kid before. Great. Like, the way he says that, it just pauses. I think the scene is also great because it's like, we're in the house of Bill Murray. Who's that? Who's that? That's like saying, who is Gandhi? Who's that? Look, I've never hit a kid before. But <laughs> oh, that's the line. Oh, my bad. My yeah. Bad. Well, still, it's pretty funny. Like, like the way he just says that just plainly. Like, yeah, I never hit a kid before. Um, the scene where they, <laughs> the scene when they're in the, uh, the souvenir shop. <laughs> he comes up to Columbus. He's like, uh, you trying on perfume? And then he smells him. He goes, uh, hey, good luck, Petunia. And he turns around, <laughs> just, just plays it in his neck. And then Woody looks, <laughs> gives him this mad dog stare. And then uh, Jesse's like, I, I think you're a great human being. Let me just say that <laughs> off the rim. <laughs> I was like, this is so funny. <laughs> like, you had to have the right actors to pull this movie off. Oh, 100%. And, yeah, it's it, the chemistry between them works out because, you know, even though you have, uh, you know, the Columbus and Tallahassee's kind of, like, interactions with each other as, like, the scared little kid and, like, this badass zombie survivor that's not mm-hmm. afraid of anything. And, yeah, they bounce off of each other perfectly in a way that they get along well. Uh, even in the beginning of the movie, when they first, like, are introduced to each other, they're, like, having this standoff. And, you know, Columbus kind of just does, like, the, you know, hiking symbol, you know, the, the thumbs up. And he's like, yeah, get in the car. Come on. Uh, and then later, when they're, like, stop for something, Tallahassee's like, you know... I didn't used to get headaches before me picking you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they got they got great lines in this movie, man. Um, I got to say, the most funniest scene to me is really the Bill Murray scene, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Bill Murray himself steals the show. Like, I, I love it how... Now, mind you, when I first saw this movie, um, it was before I saw Ghostbusters. So I didn't quite get the joke with the chandelier I, when I first saw the movie. But now that we did our episode, like that scene is even more hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. They're acting out the scene oh, with yeah. the chandelier. I also love that uh, Bill Murray's not the one in costume in that scene, too, which, if I recall correctly, they said they couldn't have him in costume due to uh, rights issues with Ghostbusters. Oh, wow. Which is why he's not in the costume in that scene, which I find even funnier that they were like, no, we're still going to do the scene. We're just going to have him hold up like a dust buster and holding like a backpack, just a standard backpack on or something. Well, it's Sony. Isn't Sony like kind of part of Columbia Pictures? I don't know if it was at the time or if it was something else, but I remember them saying that it was a thing where they couldn't have him in the Ghostbusters costume during that mm-hmm. scene which is why Tallahassee is the one wearing the costume 
Mm. Which I think and even you, works better because he's such a f- super fan of Bill Murray that he would be the one going, oh, I want to wear the costume. I want to wear the costume. <laughs> right. He's quoting films. He's quoting movies to him and stuff when he's talking to him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I um I really liked how uh, I like how it all comes to a crescendo when uh, he, he goes up to like uh, Tallahassee and Little Rock watching Ghostbusters. Oh, Columbus and, and Little Rock. Yeah, 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 Columbus. And uh, he says to Tallahassee and uh, uh, is her name Arkansas? Emma's name? No, Wichita. Uh, Wichita. He says to Tallahassee and Wichita, he says, hey, your buddy's in there? He's, they say, yeah, he's in there. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll give him a good scare. He puts the zombie wig back on. <laughs> and uh, he goes in there. Rah! And Jesse, grab, <laughs> Jesse grabs the gun and just shoots him. He's like, I got him. I got him. <laughs> he's like, they're like, no, no, he wasn't a real zombie. Yeah. <laughs> or no bill murray's lie is this how you say hi to everyone kid <laughs> right right oh yeah i i oh the whole thing with bill murray how they like play up the jokes of leading into his house and you know all the references to everything in his career him being alive and being a zombie uh even at the end when he's dying and they're like do you have any regrets probably garfield <laughs> Hey, he made some. I, then why did you do the sequel? Didn't he do Garfield too? Uh, yeah, he did do Garfield too. <laughs> Those checks weren't a regret. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> but, a feeling it was probably they were like, but we'll give you an extra zero at the end of you know the check if you sign on for the sequel. Then he probably goes into Garfield mode. Well, if you say so. Yeah, <laughs> on the phone with the, with his agent. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, that's funny, man. I uh, I, li- I like this movie, man. It really is um, one of my favorite comedies of all time, dude. Like uh, even with the final showdown at the amusement park, I love the action of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love how uh, you know uh, Tallahassee is just taking out all the zombies. Like the camera work in that scene is awesome. Oh yeah, like how he um he goes from like you know running to shooting them down to like. Going on the one ride where you're where you're you're swirling around and he's holding on to one of the things shooting people. Then he goes in the actual cart that that goes around shooting people while he's in the cart. Oh, the roller coaster, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's in the roller coaster. I said cart. Uh and um then he ends up in that little one little uh um like the prize booth. The prize booth. Yeah. And uh yeah, man, that whole thing was great, dude. That prize booth reminds me of a Garrett Death Auto Vice City mission. You might know what I'm talking about when he's in the mall and they're shooting that movie up with the zombies. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. wow. That I need to go back and play that game. I miss that game. <laughs> yeah, that just took me way back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I, I love that whole scene. And then Tallahassee, um, oh, not Tallahassee. I keep getting their names. Mixed Columbus. Up. Columbus stands up against the clown and that clown looks horrifying. Oh, that clown was terrifying. Like. Even yeah. on just regular, you know, you zombified clown has got to be like one of the top like horror icons of any movie. You haven't seen Terrifier, have you? No. All right, you yeah, you wouldn't say that then. Oh. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, he he does look horrifying, and uh, for him to you know whack him out with the uh the whack a mole thing and you know kill him. Like, uh, that was a big moment for him as a character. And I like how the thing goes from don't be a hero to be a hero. Right, yeah. He changes his rule to don't be a hero to sometimes you got to be the hero. 
It's, it says those words or it just says be a no, hero? No, it, it just drops the don't and it's be a hero. Oh, but he okay. says sometimes you've got to be the hero. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a great finale, man. And I love how it just all just ties itself together in the end. Um, And even with the Twinkies, I love the fake out how, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, they finally find the deep fried Twinkie stand. <laughs> right. It did. Uh, but before before um, Little Rock hands uh, Tallahassee a Twinkie outside inside, they thought something was in the closet. And I think it was like it ended up being wrapped. It was wrapped. Yeah. And then he just sees the gunshot go through the Twinkie box. And you, you see the amount of like defeat on Woody Harrelson's face. And Jesse Eisenberg's like, oh, maybe you could just go through all the. the, the you can the eat gun. around the shells. Yeah, eat around the shells. <laughs> oh, man. I loved it, dude. I think this movie, to me, is a straight five out of five. Like, I, I find no frills throughout this 88 minutes. Mm hmm. Oh, I absolutely 100% agree with that. This is definitely another five out of five movie. And like even just going back and talking about uh, the ending of this movie, I like how it does come to a nice close for all the characters because you have, you know, Wichita and Little Rock in a situation that they cannot get themselves out of, which is situations that they keep putting themselves in throughout the movie. This time, just coming to a final crescendo with them being stuck on the rides. And then you have Columbus, you know, having to go through and face his fears and, you know, try and be a hero, go up against the zombies, go against all his rules to try and save them. Uh, Meanwhile, you have Tallahassee just having the best day of his life at this theme park that he was like, I'm never going there. This is the most that place sucks. You know, I hate (laughs) that theme park. There's nothing good there. And the girls are going there because they want to have one last fun time. They're having the worst time of their life. Columbus right. is facing his fears. And Tallahassee's at the park. Just perfect day. You know, he's... Mm. I love when they kept switching over to him and showing him just going down, mowing down. Like, when he jumps on the coaster and everything, he's just all smiles. Just like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's short. It's sweet. Uh, there's some great emotional moments when... um when uh, we get to reveal who Buck was, which was really Tallahassee's son. Yes. You know, um, yeah, overall, man, I mean, this was a short, sweet movie. Like, this this was, like, one of those films that were just great for its time and great today. Like, uh, if I put this on and watch this with my wife and some family, I know we're going to be cracking up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing that I completely did not even know about this movie until I was watching this time, and I didn't even catch it while watching it, was in the credits. Uh, the roommate for Columbus is played by Amber Heard. She wasn't a roommate. She was. She just lived in his or not apartment. roommate. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, her his neighbor, the one that I comes think, in at the beginning. I think I noticed that like on a second or third watch, and I said, "Wait a minute, that's Amber." You know, like the same thing with Never Back Down. I forgot she was in that movie, and that's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I never put it together that it was her. Uh, I just happened to be going through the credits this time and everything, and I saw her name pop up, and I actually rewound. I was like, hold on. Wait, let me go back to that scene. And I was watching it, I was going, that is her. Wow, I, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, man. So when it all comes down to it, I, I know what my vote is when we when we do the clash here. Uh, what what comes out to you as your uh, best movie here? Uh, honestly, th- this is actually a pretty difficult one to kind of think on. 
but I, I knew that it was coming. So I've been thinking on it kind of like all week after I watch these movies. And I think that it's still Shaun of the Dead for me because mm. just the camera work, the comedy and everything like British comedy, I know isn't for everybody, but mm-hmm. I, I love it. Uh, ever since I got introduced to Monty Python, it's just I absolutely love British comedy. And yeah, Shaun of the Dead just completely works for me. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, both of these movies, I'm pretty sure, were made exactly for my taste in movies. And you I love the ideal. You are the ideal audience. Right. You know, when they were doing the test group for it, I'm pretty sure it was another guy like me just going, no, 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 this is what you got to do. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I can picture that, man. I can picture that for real. Like, dude, these are a great set of movies. Um, I was looking forward to this one. Yeah. Any excuse I got on, any excuse I have to put on a good zombie comedy, you know, I'll, I'll take it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what you been watching early uh, lately, man? So I have actually just kind of gone back just because we were watching these and uh, I decided to watch the Leprechaun movie again. Uh, <laughs> with the one with Jennifer Aniston or two? Because two is the best one from what I hear. Uh, no, the first one. I got to watch the second one again. Uh, but I kind of just threw that on after this movie or after I think I watched Shaun of the Dead. I was like, yeah, I, I'm going to just keep going. Let, what's another good like horror comedy kind of thing? And I just threw that yeah. on. And yeah, I, I still love that movie as well. <laughs> I will say mm. that. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, I caught up on the Harley Quinn show that's on HBO. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. Like this week, I keep hearing a lot of rave reviews about that. Does it, does it, does it buy into the hype? I mean, not buy in, but like, like is, is the hype justified or is like, eh, it's all right. Uh, I think the hype is justified on it because it, it does a very good, like parody of comic book kind of characters and everything by grabbing them at like their core of the character and making it into a joke. Uh, you know, like you have Batman's Bruce Wayne is just being a complete idiot, but he's just so headstrong about everything. He just continually barrels in head first on things. Uh, you have the Joker just kind of coming off as like a bad ex you know, kind of thing. Like it mm. jumps into stereotypes for these characters and it plays with them hilariously. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. Um, Hey, have you watched Atlanta yet? I haven't gotten into it yet. I have. Uh, I think I'm caught up onto the latest episode and yeah, they, this season is absolutely hitting it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. I, I will get to it. I will get to it. I've just been slacking a little. Um, guess what I saw in the movies, man. Now, this one is something everyone's been waiting for a long time. You know, a lot of critics have been raving it. Uh, it's had, it's gotten a little bit of a controversial, uh, you know, uh, reaction. I saw Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Really? (laughs) I don't know what the critics are saying. I just wanted to see your face. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't saw that movie, man. Really? My wife wanted to see something feel good, and I said, "Why not?" Um, not bad, man. Not bad. You know, it was it was it was charming. Um, I mean, it's a singing <laughs> it's a singing crocodile. I was gonna say that's like a family fi- picture kind of thing. Like I was expecting you to say that you saw the uh, 
what was don't it? Don't worry, darling. Dar- yeah, don't worry, <laughs> darling. You're just like, yeah, I just saw a uh, dancing crocodile movie. <laughs> he was singing, not dancing. Oh, I'm sorry, but, singing um, crocodile movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it right. I, I wouldn't see. <laughs> I don't want to hurt the crocodile. lore of this movie. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, man. I thought it was pretty charming, man. It was pretty funny. I mean, it's it wasn't amazing. It it was far from bad though. It it, it was a pretty solid like family movie. Um, dude, I didn't know how funny Javier Bardem could be. Like it, he's does he's he voice Lyle? No, 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 no. He he plays a um he plays a down on his luck magician that first adopted Lyle. Oh, okay, because he was looking for like the next big magic trick and a, a crocodile that could sing. You know, he he adopted him, and you know the whole thing about. See, the, the point of the movie is that Lau, um, he's shy. He doesn't want to sing in front of large groups, but he sings to himself when when music comes on because, you know, I, I don't know, science. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to turn your brain off. But, you know, it's 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 a... Wait, it's you got to turn a, your brain off for the animated crocodile singing movie? <laughs> you tell me it's not termed into reality here? <laughs> Of course not. Uh, dude, there's a funny scene. And, you know, the, the movie kind of knows how silly it is. They're going to, um, I think they're going to like a, a, a football game. And I think the name of the team is, is Crocodile something. Anyway, he, they're just walking down the street with Lyle. And they're like, aren't, aren't they going to think he's real? No, they'll just think he's a believable mascot. <laughs> and like no one's of course no one says anything but it's like you just gotta laugh at moments like that but um it's a pretty charming movie dude but javier bardem was pretty funny in the movie i gotta say he uh he kind of stole the show a little bit because like when you think of javier bardem you think of no country for old men mm-hmm. which you know ain't wasn't nothing funny about that movie right but like he he actually he actually gave me some laughs in this movie like the whole cast is pretty good constance Wu. Uh, my man from True Detective, I forgot his I forgot his actor name. He was in the third season. But uh yeah, the whole cast is pretty good. Sean Mendez, of course, has a great singing voice. Uh I I would suggest watching this when it comes to streaming if you got time or you're with, you know, your nieces and nephews or something. Okay. I so, give it a three three out of five. Three out of five for Lyle, Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, solid three. <laughs> I I mean I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was a it was a good time. Have you um, gone to the theaters to see Clerks three yet? No, I think I missed my chance, man. And don't, don't worry, darling. No, nah, no, nah, I ain't see that yet. I'm gonna wait for that to come on streaming. What about uh, Emily the Criminal? That's. I thought that was on streaming. That's in no, theaters. That's in theaters. No, no. I, Three thousand uh, years of longing. <laughs> Look, man. I wanted to see a feel-good feel movie. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, I wanted to smile. I just think it's hilarious that of all the movies that are in theaters right now, that you could be like, you won't believe what I just went and saw. <laughs> no, After- I know. That's I, I was I was I was trolling you. I know. <laughs> And you hit it. That that's the one movie I would have never expected you to say that you saw. <laughs> you you found it. If you said Lyle or Crocodile, I would have been like, I would have just stared at you and been like, Yeah, that was that was that was it actually. That was it. You're ruining my joke here. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I will tell you, I am planning on um 
seeing Smile in a Barbarian tomorrow, though. Okay. I'm curious how Smile is. Uh, you know, I've heard surprisingly good things. You know, when I saw the trailer, I was like, as a joke, I might go see this, but I, I can't see how this is scary. People smiling. I think it's supposed to... It, I, yeah. Like, they, it, say, it, they say it plays it straight. They're, they're, there's funny moments, but for the most part, it plays it straight. Um... I don't know. I don't know about that Amsterdam movie. That just does not look interesting to me at all. Amsterdam. That's who's in that one. The fact that you don't even know. (laughs) Uh, Christian Bale, uh, John David Washington, Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah. I heard that apparently this is like one of Christian Bale's like best kind of portrayals was in that movie. I don't know if a performance is enough to stir me in that direction, dude. Because it's just like the story doesn't look interesting to me. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, that's the only thing that I've heard about the movie is like, man, Christian Bale was great in that. And it's like, what? but how was the movie? Christian Bale was absolutely fantastic in that movie. So so pretty much what you heard about Joker. Oh, jo- Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> right. is great. Joaquin you know, Phoenix movie. is amazing. Yeah, but how was the movie? Oh man, Joaquin Phoenix just stole the show, man. It's it's absolutely fantastic. You got to go see it. It's right. it's his best performance ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I put that performance over the master, but it is definitely up there. It it's no, I I think I, it stands up with that one. It stands up with it. I don't know if I put it over it. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. But I'm, I'm going to see those two movies tomorrow. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it. See how those go. Um, yeah, man. I think I'm back, man. I think I'm back to movie going again. That, that's good. Uh, we can start actually watching movies that are newer now. <laughs> For sure. Hey, I was going to suggest to you uh, with Black Panther 2. No, 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 no. I was talking to my wife. And uh, she says, um, oh, Avatar 2 is coming. Y'all going to compare it to the first one? I said, no, nah, we're doing water. <laughs> we're, uh, we're doing water world. She goes, what? <laughs> I was like, you know, it's, it's too much water. Too much water. She's, she looked at me for a long time. She says, I don't know if you guys are going to get followers from doing that. <laughs> I was like, just you wait and see. Uh, I'm almost surprised she didn't go. Your show's kind of stupid. <laughs> That's what her look said. Right. But she wanted to be nice and say, I don't I don't know if that's a good idea. Oh. Uh. <laughs> so funny. Uh, but that's it for me, man. I've um, just been reading The Wheel of Time. And that's pretty much it, man. I ain't really been caught up on any movies or TV shows. Yeah, for me, it's been just easier to pop TV shows on and kind of catch like an episode here and there. Uh, than watching movies because just so busy lately. Her final. Now, did you and I talk about Final Space? Uh, we did. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but about it getting canceled. Yeah, it. Well, not only canceled, but basically being pulled from existence because the yeah. Blu-rays are out of print now. They never even started the printing for the third season of the Blu-ray. Uh, it's already been pulled from HBO Max, which was the streaming platform for it. And wow. the only place you can stream it is internationally on Netflix right now, which once that contract ends, 
it, basically it's going to be wiped from existence except for copies of the first two seasons on Blu-ray. You know, I, I, I can't lie. We kind of should have saw this coming. When you get things streaming, you got to understand that there, like, there is a licensing that goes on. And it's like... Well, it's I, not even a licensing thing for this one. Because, yes, for the Netflix International, that's a license. Uh, but HBO Max owned it. HBO owned it. Time Warner owned it. And they decided to take it off and use it as a tax write-off. So a CEO could get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. Right now, I understood what happened. So let's say I um, I get a film on Blu-ray and I have the uh, what is it? The, the Movies Anywhere thing on it where I can mm-hmm. I can upload it to Movies Anywhere. So let's say I lose that Blu-ray copy. If Movies Anywhere, if DreamWorks says we no longer own Shrek, does that mean I lose my copy on everything? It, it could be. It's one of those things, because if I recall, a lot of those contracts for like movies anywhere and some of those things, uh, they're out like 20 years or something into the future for their license for it. So if DreamWorks decides to go, yeah, we don't want to put Shrek on movies anywhere anymore because we're going to go with Amazon's new you know, streaming service that's plugged in directly into people's brains through microchips instead. That's crazy. And it, it might be gone from there. It, it's We're in a weird time right now where the licensing for that kind of stuff is was thrown together very quickly to meet a demand for a market. And they didn't think longevity for it. And we'll see kind of where that goes in the future. We did talk about this. I remember now. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere somebody has like, 500 DVDs saying, I knew this day was coming. Y'all didn't I told you guys to so. <laughs> Y'all didn't want to listen to me, like holding them in the, in the, in the cradle. Now, now, now see what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like the people that are holding on to like the VHS release of Star Wars going, look, it's the unedited version. I've been holding it this entire time. <laughs> I'm not the crazy one. You're the crazy one. <laughs> it's the original negatives. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, man? Uh, it is what it is. Uh, was it a good show, at least? Uh, Final Space, I thought it was a very fun show. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I okay. was actually looking forward to seeing a fourth season from it. But yeah, when that got canceled, uh, basically, I, I remember hearing about a bunch of shows getting canceled by HBO. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I warned you all. Remember, like, four years ago when they canceled Venture Brothers and I was like, HBO has to go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I warned you. you. You were one of those people. Yeah. It's yeah. got to hurt. It's, it's got to hurt that Aqua Teen Hunger Force just came with a new movie and Venture Brothers still ain't come back, huh? Uh, Venture Bros is getting a movie. Uh, the same that Aqua Teen is in Metalocalypse. All three of those are coming back for a movie. I think Aqua Teen just oh. happens to be the cheapest one, so it's the easiest one to get through first. Oh, I I, I shut my mouth then. Yeah. But uh, HBO did still cancel Venture Brothers and has not uh, brought it back yet in capacity. So, yeah, my uh, boycotting of HBO and AT&T and Time Warner and Warner Brothers and everything else tied to them. Uh, yeah, it, until we get Venture Brothers back, everything DC sucks. Uh, I'm a Marvel fanboy for life. <laughs> your Marvel DC, I mean, I'm sorry, your Marvel Fox Disney for life, ain't you? Right, yeah. <laughs> 
until we get Venture Brothers back. Then I'll give DC another chance. <laughs> That's so funny because you sound just like the fanboys that go, this, this, you know, this is an assault on everyone's memories, everyone's childhood. <laughs> it, this should be stopped today. Right. It's basically what I'm going for. <laughs> Like all the fans that hate all the Star Wars fans that hate George Lucas, and then once George Lucas left, they had Disney, and then now now they all hate Disney and want George Lucas back. <laughs> like this is an assault on everything we love. This isn't the Star Wars I remember. I thought Star Wars before wasn't the Star Wars you remember. Yeah, that's also not the Star Wars you remember. What about the Star Wars before that and before that and that one? <laughs> what about the Star Wars on script when George Lucas handed the script over to Fox? Was that not the Star Wars you remember? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where where does the Star Wars you remember start? Is it before or after the Christmas special? Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, there's a documentary called The People versus George Lucas. Uh, that's just that is a great documentary, dude, because everyone is like it shows how toxic the, the Star Wars fan base can be. That's and the one I that did. came out after episode one, right? It came out around 2010. Oh, okay. So that was oh, that was after the entire pre-trilogy. Right, right. Now I I get that you love something so much that the creator can kind of mess the it, it they, they can make choice. It's their work, it's their mm-hmm. art, but they can make choices that doesn't connect to you as a fan, and you can be like, dang man, like I I like this character. Why did you change this character? You know, Han shot first. You know, I, I I get it, but come on, man. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. There, so Lucas is just a strange kind of case for that kind of stuff because his philosophy on movies is a movie is never done. You know, it can be released 10 years ago, but it's still mm-hmm. never done. And right. it's a weird philosophy to have. And I think he's one of the only directors that I've heard say something similar or to even go back to their previous work and tinker with it. To- Francis Ford Coppola has done it. Has he? Yeah, yeah. He tinkered with uh, Godfather 3, uh, The Cotton Club, and I forgot another one. He might have touched. Oh, Apocalypse Now has many cuts. Oh yeah, Apo- yeah. yeah. I, I think that holds like a Guinness World Record for most kind of like cuts of a movie there released to the public. Yeah, each of the cuts are great, but it's like you don't need to make that many cuts. It's right. Like, the movie's good on its own, but yeah, he he's done that. Yeah, it's so yeah it, but it's still a rare thing for a director to go back on a movie that they made years ago and still be working on it or adding to it or taking away or updating it. And so, yeah, it, it brings up a lot of controversy with fans. They're like, this isn't the version I grew up with. And it's like, yeah, you're right. It, it's not the version you grew up with. It's the new version for a new generation. Exactly. Like, I don't like Jar Jar Binks, but I understand he's for the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I may have like, well, I was kind of young when Phantom Menace came out. I didn't I didn't think one way about Jar Jar Binks one or the other, but I, I didn't mind him. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, man, it's like here here is the encapsulation of the entire documentary. One guy is in the beginning talking. It's a British fellow. It's like, don't ever say to me it's just a film. Don't ever say it's just a film. It's 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 a it, it, it's my life. I love Star Wars. And then the title comes up and I'm like, yeah, it's going to be one of those films. <laughs> <laughs> see i you know as somebody that uh 
you know, has seen the Star Wars <laughs> movies and has no other feelings toward them one way or the other. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, right. But yeah, it's it, you can tell that it's any fan base that gets too large always has a toxic side to it. But then you can also find like those, you know, diehard fans and everything. Like one thing that, uh, you know, I think it's Christian Haydenson and like you and McGregor have been saying uh, you know, in the couple last couple of years, Christian, Christian Hansen. You mean Hayden Christensen? Hating, Hayden Christensen? Hayden Christensen. God damn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who are you thinking of, Chris Hansen? <laughs> no. Hey, Brad, why don't you take a seat over there? Yeah, me? I think uh, I, I think the podcast is over now. I. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, one thing that they've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, one thing that they've been saying lately is how, you know, when they were first making the prequel trilogy, there was so much hate thrown at them because it wasn't the Star Wars that people had grown up with. And now the people that grew up with that Star Wars are the ones that they're seeing come out and be like, mm. you are my Star Wars. So it's definitely a generational thing yeah, when it comes know. down to it. Kids are growing up with the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it is what it is. I mean, I think pretty much everybody in the Star Wars community loves the Mandalorian, though. I, I have yet to hear somebody go, I don't like that show. I mean, that may be true. I still haven't seen it yet. But what I mean is kids are growing up with that show. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have a different perspective on the rest of the movies based on what they're growing up with now. Yeah. All right, I think that's a good uh, cutoff time here. I think we we uh, covered a myriad of topics, uh, including our uh, two highlighted films. But all right, y'all, we will catch you on the next one. Uh, take care, like, share, and subscribe. Uh, thanks for joining the chat, and uh, goodbye.